0: Donald Trump has vowed to step up federal efforts to to deport foreigners who are in the country illegally. Today, the U.S. Supreme Court heard a case likely to have important implications for that push and the powers the new administration will have. The case centers on the government's power to detain people who are facing deportation proceedings. A federal appeals court said many of those people have a right to a bond hearing before an immigration judge and the possibility of release if they are held for more than six months. The group includes legal permanent residents, as well as immigrants in the country illegally and people seeking asylum. With us to talk about the case are Niels Frenzen, director of the Immigration Clinic at USC's Gould School of Law, and John Fear, legal policy analyst at the Center for Immigration Studies. John, if I could start with you, just uh, can you just give us a brief summary of what the appeals court decided in this case?
1: Yeah, basically what the ACLU was asking, what the Ninth Circuit decided, was that the government must provide individualized bond hearings to assess the uh, danger and flight risk for individual who is in detention uh, when that comes up to six months, and then every six months thereafter. The argument is that a person should not be detained for a lengthy period of time.
2: Nils, tell us about the government's argument in this case. Well, I mean, the
3: government's argument is based upon, uh, a congressional statute um, and there are several statutes that issue that provide in certain circumstances for mandatory detention without the ability of an immigration judge to make an individualized determination regarding uh, potential public safety risk or or, or flight risk. And uh, the Ninth Circuit has said that the, gov- the, the, the congressional statutes at issue could not have intended to provide for indefinite detention without an individual hearing before a judge.
0: John, there's a a lot of statutory complexity here, and there are different groups of people involved in the case. Can you just lay out who they are? There are legal permanent residents. There are people who are uh, in the country illegally. uh, and, And describe whether those should be treated differently under the law.
1: And people seeking asylum as well. I think there's probably a stronger case for individuals who are here legally as LPRs, illegal permanent residents. Um, but A
0: stronger case, you mean for, for, for a bond hearing?
1: For a bond hearing, okay. yes. But it, once you open that door, the problem is that it starts to expand to every other category of, of non-citizen. And that's really what this is about. Um, the government, the administration, the Obama administration is concerned about the fact that if this were to move forward and the, the Supreme Court were to come out with a ruling, it would effectively be rewriting immigration law, and removing a lot of the uh, political branches' uh, plenary power over immigration away from them, away from the executive branch, away from the legislative branch. And once you start going down that road, the Supreme Court ends up creating some results that maybe are difficult to deal with. They did this in the past with a, a case regarding prolonged detention back in 2001, the Zadvidas case, where the Supreme Court decided that after six months of detention, if a foreign country will not take back their criminal, uh, illegal immigrant, that they have to be released if there's no foreseeable likelihood of, uh, of deportation in the future. And that was actually something that was part of the uh, debates uh, over the past six months or so during the election. The concern was that the State Department uh, wasn't able to negotiate these returns And as a result, we had thousands, thousands of convicted criminals released into our neighborhoods because of that six-month mark. That's the result you get from the judiciary getting involved in very complex topics.
2: Niels, one of the plaintiffs in this case was detained three years before he won his case. I've read about immigrants being detained as long as nine years. The average amount of time is about a year, according uh, to some sources. So... Does due process or fairness demand that these immigrants get a hearing before a judge if the system overload is causing these unusual delays?
3: I mean, one of the cases that the, the Supreme Court today is reviewing uh, was a companion case to this uh, uh, Zadvydas case that John was referring to, where the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of one of the mandatory detention provisions. And one of the primary reasons the court did that in the DeBoer versus Kim case was because of factual representations from the government that detained cases moved fairly quickly. And as you just said, there there are um, you know hundreds, if not thousands, of individuals who are facing prolonged detention for reasons over which they have no control, uh, to, to, to delays in the immigration court docket, delays uh, um, in the appellate court dockets. and so uh, the, the, you know the Damore versus Kim holding, which was very much based upon a factual representation that these cases move quickly, um, the, the 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 ACLU argument is that case should not. Con- control, given the fact that we have these lengthy delays.
0: John, John, what do you make of that issue of the error the government made? It's a, it's a very unusual situation. The, the government made a factual representation. The court included it in its opinion. It was basically how long the, the average, or maybe it was median, detention time is for this group of people. The government, I think, said it was five and a half months, and it turns out it was more than a year. And then in the course of this case, they file a letter saying, we we, we made a mistake earlier. Do you think that will have an effect on how the court views uh, the current case?
1: It probably would. Um, I think that brings us to the original question, though. Should the Supreme Court be deciding what is appropriate in terms of detention, or is would they hold in accordance with the plenary power doctrine that this is an issue for the political branches? Because it's not just immigration and detention. We're talking about um all sorts of powers that are in the executive branch, national sh- security concerns, uh, international relations, foreign relations issues. There are so many things that the court simply doesn't have the capacity to contemplate. As, for, as far as the actual long-term detention goes, I think most would agree that long-term detention should be limited, and that the government certainly should be more efficient. But there's an important point here, and that is that these are not jails. These are detention centers that people are free to leave at any time. They can return home, but they are choosing to fight the case, oftentimes at the request of these immigration attorney groups, who simultaneously are working to undermine immigration enforcement elsewhere, which results in more people into the system. It seems to me that if you want to have a more efficient system, one of the things you have to do is have better immigration enforcement.
0: We're talking about the Supreme Court case argued today involving uh, people who are about to be deported or who are threatened with deportation and whether they are entitled to a bond hearing before an immigration judge. Our guests are John Fear, legal policy analyst at the Center for Immigration Studies, and Niels Frenzen, director of the Immigration Clinic at USC's Gould School of Law. Um, Niels, uh, the – uh, the argument today was the court was pretty divided, and one thing the conservative ju- justices said was, um, hey, the immigration statute just doesn't allow for these, these uh, hearings. Uh, Justice Alito said it was a really tough argument that the ACLU lawyer was making. Um, is he right about that? Well,
3: I mean, I, I mean, Justice Alito is right that the statute, uh, um, you know, on its face does provide for mandatory detention, Uh, The Ninth Circuit decision in the case basically said this could not be Congress's intent because Congress could not have intended to authorize indefinite detention of an individual regardless of the length of time. And so the Ninth Circuit decision was a decision that was based on the doctrine of constitutional avoidance. If we can find some way to construe this statute to read it uh, in a constitutional manner, uh, that's what the court should do so, and so that's where the Ninth Circuit came up with this, this six-month rule, a right to a hearing after six months. Not a right to release, but a right to a hearing on whether or not it's safe for you to be released or not. Uh, And so if Justice Alito's uh, question indicates, uh, you know, the way the court is going to come down on this decision, that will then present the court with a clear constitutional question that will have to be answered. Can Congress provide for mandatory detention without any opportunity for a person to prove uh, that they should be released?
2: John, want to pick up on something you said earlier about these being detention centers and they can walk out of them. But have you considered that some of the people who are in these detention centers, some of the stories are, for example, a U.S. Army veteran who has been living here for 50 years and doesn't really know any other country. Some of these people are married and have jobs and have children. So if you tell them just walk out... They have to walk out to another country where they may not even know anyone or know the language. Well, I do
1: think that there are individual cases, like I mentioned at the outset, LPRs, for example, that may have um, compelling arguments. Um, we have a habeas corpus review process of an individual petitioning the judiciary about any constitutional concerns they might have about prolonged detention. That but already- does
2: that really work? Are you able to get a habeas corpus hearing? Are all these people able to get habeas corpus hearings? Uh,
1: They have a constitutional right to. I believe that they should be able to do so. Uh, I don't have any numbers for you on that, but the question becomes, even if they can't, are we then saying that any individual who comes to the border, who may or may not have a legitimate asylum claim, should only be detained for a short period of time and then released into the U.S. But you're
2: not asking for them to be released, you're asking for them to have a hearing.
1: That's hearing, different. Yes, and the bond hearing determines whether or not they have a criminal background, which, again, most of them are not because there's no record really at all. They're, they're, they just arrived to the country. And two, whether or not they're a likely flight risk. And what we do know, and this is something I do have numbers for you on, is that when you look at immigration court data, between 1996 and 2012, 76% of aliens who were set free during these type of proceedings were ultimately removed uh, when well, they weren't even in the court, mean they didn't show up for their actual hearing after they were released. That's a very significant problem here, because that basically means, for those people, we have an effective open border that, if the Supreme Court rules in a certain way, the executive branch would really have no control over.
0: Niels, uh, if the government wins this case, uh, how much additional leverage does that give the Trump administration in its effort to deport people?
3: Well, I mean, it would certainly give um, additional legal authority to the new administration in regard to using uh, detention for longer periods of time for, you know, for larger numbers of of immigrants. Um, How that plays out practically uh, is, a, you know, is another question, because the detention centers, uh, there, are prox- there are almost 50,000 immigrants detained as we speak in the United States. That is something that the Obama administration has expanded its use. Uh, it's very expensive. Um, and certainly the Trump, if given the legal authority, the Trump administration could expand on, de- on detention, but it will require uh, uh, you know, significant amounts of money from Congress.
0: Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank our guests, Niels Frenzen, the director of the Immigration Clinic at USC's Gould School of Law, and John Fear, a legal policy analyst at the Center for Immigration Studies.